The scripture reading for today is from the Gospel of John, verses, uh, John 3, verses 14 to 21. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come into the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come into the light so that it may clearly see that their deeds have been done in God. The word of God for the people of God. Hear these words from Mary Oliver from her poem, Some Questions You Might Ask. Is the soul solid, like iron? Or is it tender and breakable, like the wings of a moth in the beak of an owl? Who has it? Who doesn't? I keep looking around me. The face of the moose is sad as the face of Jesus. The swan opens her white wings slowly. In the fall, the black bear carries leaves into the darkness. One question leads to another. Does it have a shape, like an iceberg or the eye of a hummingbird? Does it have one lung, like the snake and the scallop? Why should I have it and not the anteater who loves their children? Why should I have it and not the camel? Come to think of it, what about the maple trees? What about the blue iris? What about all the little stones sitting alone in the moonlight? What about roses and lemons and their shining leaves? What about the grass? Will you pray with me? Holy God, send your spirit upon us that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. So every month I go into all of our preschool classrooms. We have a preschool here. I don't know if you know that. We have seven different classrooms. Um, kids from one-year-old to five-year-olds, 
Um, and every month I go into each classroom for about five to ten minutes and do something we call sacred circle time. Sometimes the kids say secret because they don't know the word sacred. I really try to deter that and teach them the word sacred. Like This is not secret circle time. Sacred circle time, a very special time that we have together. And really what it is is a time of spiritual centering. And I usually have a little story or object lesson thrown in there. So I come into the room. I have a basket. We always have a cloth that we put out, we light a candle that reminds us of God's love, we do a little object lesson, and we pray with a prayer chime, and then we receive a blessing with our blessing balm, which really is just chapstick with a homemade label on it that says blessing balm. And that's sacred circle time, and it's really special, and I think the kids mostly look forward to it. Um, and this last week, when I was in one of the classrooms, one of the kids, as we were blowing out the candles, said, Reverend Sandy, is God real or pretend? And I said, hmm, that's a good question. So we talked a little bit about the blessing bomb and how we draw something on our hands. The teachers kind of give a blessing to the kids. They say that you are a precious and beloved child of God, and we usually draw a heart or a cross, or this week we were drawing a flower. And I said, can you see the blessing on your hand? And usually, no, they can't. Sometimes they see it's a little shiny. But then I always ask, but do you know that it's there? And they said, yes, yes, we can feel the blessing. So I said, that's kind of like God. And so he still had questions after school. And so his mom and I sat and kind of answered some questions. And I'm, I'm not sure that he was completely satisfied with the ways that we talked about what's real and what's pretend. And the idea that you can see and touch some things, but then sometimes you can't see or touch something and it's still real. But it's okay that he wasn't satisfied, at least to me, because his mom and I told him that his question was a good question, and it's good to ask questions. There's a story about a rabbi whose son asked him, what's the meaning of life? And the rabbi answered, son, why spoil such a great question with an answer? Einstein is quoted as saying, the important thing is to not stop questioning. And I know that in my own spiritual journey, questions have been much more transformative than any answer. Now, Jesus had people question him all the time. Often those questions were meant to be weapons to set him up, to corner him, to expose him in some way. At least those are the ones that are recorded, but I'm sure that there had to have been lots of just regular people coming to Jesus just asking questions. Questions about their faith and about their lives. One of these people that did come and ask Jesus a question was Nicodemus. And if we backed our scripture reading up to John chapter 3, verse 1, 
we would have heard the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee who, under the cover of night, came to Jesus, intrigued by Jesus' teachings, but with questions. And let's remember that the Pharisees were the keeper of the law. They knew every dot and tittle of the religious heritage. They were the ones to answer other people's questions. So there's a reason that Nicodemus came at night so that nobody else could see him. But here he is, curious about Jesus and wondering, was he really sent by God? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus answers, how can a man be born again when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb. And it's at that point in the story that modern readers usually laugh and roll their eyes. Jeez, Nicodemus, don't take it so literally. Jesus means to be born again spiritually, not physically. Preaching professor Anna Carter Florence writes, But for Nicodemus, these were new and explosive lines of thought. He wanted the dialogue, but not the risk to his good name and reputation. He came to Jesus by night for a private audience and left the same way, which is to say, unchanged. He wasn't ready to stand up and act on Jesus' words. He wasn't ready to trade his life of comfort and privilege for a new kind of discipleship. He wasn't ready to work for institutional change. Instead, he slipped back into the night and continued to watch Jesus from afar. He let fear, rather than hope, have the upper hand. Because the risk of asking a question is getting an answer you don't like. The scripture that Bruce read for us today is a part of Jesus' answer to Nicodemus, answering Nicodemus that God's love is so big, so expansive, that it is light in a dark world. It is the kind of love that no one can control or contain, even those who claim to know the law inside and out. That what God is doing is something completely, wonderfully new, and that no one can claim it as their own because it is for every person. But man, we sure try to wrangle that God's love, right? To try to understand it, to try to mold it into something that we can understand and regulate for our own purposes. Did you hear the verse in the scripture reading that is one of those bumper sticker verses, John 3, 16, that almost everyone knows? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
And yet, how many times has that very verse been used to draw lines about who is in and who's out? When in the very next verse, Jesus says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I suppose it is that faith is a lot easier when we have clear lines and firm answers. But that is not a faith that can handle challenges or new ideas or changing landscapes of society. A faith that honors and encourages questions, helps us to be nimble and flexible enough to handle the unexpected nature of life. How many started answering questions in COVID that maybe had never been asked before? And how has it made us look so differently at our faith, at our church, at our God? Years ago, I was the director of children's ministry at a Methodist church in Loveland. And it was Easter, and so we had all the children gathered together in one room during Sunday school so we could sing some songs and do kind of some fun things together. And in the midst of it all, one of the kids raised their hand and said, did Jesus know the Easter bunny? Good question, I said. What do you think? That is always my go-to response to questions like that. What, what do you think? And the kids launched into a very interesting theological discussion, at least for preschoolers and elementary school kids, addressing the issues of the day that were important to them. It was Easter, they were talking about the Easter Bunny, and we were talking about Jesus, and they kind of decided what they thought. Afterwards, one of the helpers, uh, Sunday school helpers that was a dad, came up to me and said, I'm glad my kids go to the Lutheran school so that they know better than to ask questions like that. Now, I don't remember exactly how I responded. This was 20 years ago. I was a lot younger. I'm sure I made some lame joke and laughed. <laughs> I don't know what I said. And don't get me wrong, I've made lots of mistakes in my ministry. I'm absolutely not perfect. But I stand by the decision to let children have questions and let them wrestle with their own answers. If we don't encourage questions, then we don't have the question of, why do our LGBTQ friends often get condemned at church? Or why do our systems favor people with lighter colored skin? Or why do wars hurt innocent people? Or why are there people that are hungry without homes when other people have plenty? The questions and sometimes their answers change people. If you go further into the Gospel of John, you will see that Nicodemus was one of the people that helped prepare Jesus' body for burial. Even though it was a very, very risky thing for him to do. 
but he had found an answer in himself that he knew he needed to follow through. So my suggestion to you is ask the questions. Encourage the questions. Ask all the questions. And be ready for answers that will change the world. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.